your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Friday, October first, Friday. Yes. Which means nobody's listening. Everyone's at Oktoberfest. <laughs> or they're stuck day. in traffic listening to us while they're going to Oktoberfest. Yeah, well, that might be the case. That's UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. I'm Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. You have political questions or just questions about, let's see, what are your expertise? Do you think food? Food, uh, perhaps. Newborn babies. Newborn uh, baby, yeah. If we want to just, if you and whomever want to just complain about having a newborn, yeah. this is the place to do it. <laughs> what are the worst, what are the worst things about, or best, I guess, but the guy at the beginning of the show says, have something to complain about. Yeah. He doesn't say, do you have anything fun to talk about? No, he says complain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we are. We're the get off my lawn show. Here in the cross. Uh, all right. So, what should we complain about? I mean, I got, I got a couple of the the biggest thing I wanted to talk about at some point is lawsuits. I'm, th- this feels a little bit like calm before the storm. Yeah. Um, we're a month or month and a couple of weeks. I guess not. We're not really a month and a half. Maybe it is a month and a half. I feel like it's a month and a week or so from an election, a midterm election. Who a lot of people, midterm elections. Not a big turnout, but do you think, does this one have a different feel for huge turnout or is that just the, that's what we always think? You know, Rick, it has the feel of a high voter turnout election. And I say that for a couple of reasons. First of all, this has been a really, really expensive campaign already. We just saw the news that Tim Michaels has put $5 million of his own money more into the Wisconsin governor's race. So, Tim Michaels, the Republican candidate for governor, is spending lavishly his own money. And in addition, we just got the news today that this is the most expensive governor's race in the country. $55 million in television ad buys so far here in Wisconsin. Okay, why is that? Why? Because the governor's race has nothing to do with the federal. Right. Right? Or is it because the governor has will have some sort of say in how 2024's elections go, and that's why all this money's getting pumped in. Sure. So Tim Michaels has, you know, not committed necessarily to accepting the results of the 2024 presidential election. And Tim Michaels, it's not clear how he would handle the upcoming presidential election. Is it clear how he was going to handle anything? Because he's never been in government. That's before, the right? thing about Tim Michaels, Rick. And this is both a strength and a weakness of Tim Michaels' candidacy. He doesn't have a background in government. And that means that, A, he can brand himself as a political outsider. He can go to the voters and say, I'm a different kind of voice. I'm a fresh voice. I come from business. He doesn't have a lot of strong policy stances that he's taken in the past. And so voters can kind of look at Tim Michaels and see what they want to see. Some people look at Tim Michaels and see a new kind of voice, a not, an outsider, not a politician. 
Other people look at Tim Michaels and see a divisive radical as Tony Evers ads have relentlessly portrayed him as. So a lot of people can kind of look at Tim Michaels and see what they want to see. Part of that is because he doesn't have a lot of specific policy stances. And I was just listening to some folks from the Milwaukee media today. Tim Michaels does not really engage with the press to nearly the extent that Tony Evers does. So because Tim Michaels doesn't really engage with the press, he doesn't answer a lot of questions. Hard to nail him down on where he stands on the issues. Again, that lets voters see what they want to see in him for good or for bad. Uh, Tim Michaels, he he might not have political experience and you might you might be able to see what you want with him in terms of you know whether or not you're going to vote oh i you you can see the good or you can see the bad and then decide but he but he has contributed to different causes yes in terms of that that kind of open up a window or open up a shade into what he believes right like some of his campaign contributions and there's been stories about this right like his campaign contributions and then he's got to fight fight back Based on, you know, the, I think that was like two or three weeks ago, the Milwaukee Journal wrote about, uh, you know, and then he says, oh, I'm, I'm giving money to the church. Well, you're giving money to a church that, you know, like has a very strong stance uh, against LGBTQ community or against, uh, you know, women's right to choose or anything like that. Exactly, Rick. And that's how the journalist from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel defended their focus on Tim Michaels foundation giving. They defended their focus on his charitable giving, how he had donated to groups who are more religiously conservative, not favorable to LGBT individuals, very anti-abortion, maybe even anti-birth control in some situations. So the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel defended this reporting by saying, look, Tim Michaels doesn't really answer our questions about these issues related to LGBT individuals, related to birth control, related to abortion. So we have to look at his charitable giving to try to get an insight into where exactly he stands on these issues. And in fact, Tim Michaels has altered his position on abortion. He has in the past said that he supports the 1849 law as it exists. And we know that the 1849 abortion law in Wisconsin does not have any exceptions for rape or incest. The only way to get an abortion in Wisconsin is to preserve the life of the mother if the life of the mother is at risk. And Tim Michaels in the past during the primary election campaign when he was running for the Republican nomination said that he supported that law. And now he has changed his position and said he would sign a law that included rape and incest exceptions. And that marks a major shift because well, we talked about this yeah. last week because you said I don't you don't have you don't always have a problem with politicians shifting their their stances on things because they're evolving, right? They're oh, you know what? Oh, the voters are actually you know a little bit more uh for this or for that depending on your stance. But also I mean the dude's flip-flopping from a primary that's very the the further right you go in a primary, the further the more votes you're going to get. I think I don't. Is that even true? Like it, the further in a statewide race for the Republican governor seat, is it true that the further right I go, I'm going to get more votes? Because I, I feel like you still kind of want to be down the middle. No, you know, in this case, Rick, it was mainly driven by the endorsement that he got from Donald Trump. 
And there is no bigger advantage in a Republican primary than the endorsement from Donald Trump. Now, Tim Michaels did have to take some of those more further to the right positions in order to solidify his position as the leader in the Republican nomination contest. So he was able to win the Republican nomination largely because he was endorsed by Donald Trump, but also because he did go further to the right on some of these issues. And Rick, it is the classic dilemma that politicians face. They have to cater to the party base in order to win the primary election. But that is not the winning strategy for the general election. Much more moderate. The swing voters tend to be more down the middle ideologically. We call them moderates or maybe if you want to call them independents, more the, the, the sane people, right? They're just more, <laughs> they're a little bit more sane. It's weird to say more sane. Saner, not insane. They're not so, you know, because the, the minority here, the people that are very political, right? The people that just show up to vote, are, that's the minority. You got to get the rest of the people to come out to vote. But, you know, maybe maybe going extreme is, is the way to get that, but to get the other side to vote. It's a really good question, Rick. I mean, right now, Tim Michaels, as you noted, has changed his position on abortion. And I think voters... Barely. Barely A little changed. bit. A little bit. Just for those We've rape lowered the bar so far for yeah. Republicans on abortion that it's laughable. With Tim Michaels... It's one thing to change your position in regards to new information, right? And I think voters should be open to the idea of politicians changing their position if politicians encounter new information that leads them to change their position, right? So, I I mean, I don't think the flip-flopper label is fair in all situations. I mean, if any of us encountered new information that caused us to rethink a position, then we should rethink that position. But the new information Tim Michaels is getting is whether or not he's going to get votes. Not, you know what? Actually, save the life of the save the life of the mother during an abortion isn't a great stance. And Rick, that's the other reason a politician could change their position because they view their current position as being disadvantage, being putting them at a disadvantage politically. And so they decide to change their position in order to try to gain an edge in the election. And I think voters should take those two scenarios differently. Is the politician changing their position because they are encountering new information that genuinely would cause them to rethink their position? Or is the politician changing their position because they are at a disadvantage in an election and they just want to change their position to try to shore up their position among voters? Now, politically, did we lose everybody here? Because it's Oktoberfest Friday. <laughs> we should we be just, talking about beer. And we just deep dived on the Tim Michaels stance. Now, because, Chagas, here's the two thoughts to this. We lost everybody. Or we only kept the people that are already listening because they're kind of like political junkies. <laughs> My wife and, just messaged me and said, can we talk about something that isn't politically related? Okay, see, you know, <laughs> but your wife, is, your wife is in a position where she has to listen. Well, she doesn't have to listen, but she's... An outlier here because she's not going to fest with a baby. She is not. Um, also, Ryan says, let's talk about poop. I think Ryan. We should talk about poop. Oh, and I sent somebody else. Now, are we talking about the Ron Johnson well, Ryan, statue or my baby's a, diapers? I think Ryan sells toilets. Is who you were, so, oh. but it's poop related. And Ryan, I do have a poop story on here. And uh, another guy texted me and said, please do not talk about brats. I heard enough from Mike and you this morning. So that is fair. But it's definitely fair. We will not talk about brats. Got any ideas here? Or did you cheat and look? 
I do have ideas. This is uh, in memory. Of, in memory, in loving memory of Coolio. Yeah, 59 years old. Passed yeah. Away. I, I didn't read how we know how he passed away yet. That I don't know. It's not in our show notes. This is like prime Hortonville, Wisconsin, 1990s. Right now, today. Got the, the got my little Ford Ranger two-wheel drive. Windows are rolled down. My little my subwoofer that doesn't quite fit in the back seat because it's not a extended cab and I'm six foot two. So I'm really driving like with the steering wheel pretty close to my chest, but I'm a cool high schooler that's got a subwoofer in the back. And so you know and we're playing and Coolio on the way. We're playing Coolio. Yeah. yeah, we're no driving around school, dr- cruising the Ave. Did you cruise the Ave in high school or is that not cruise Minneapolis? St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis thing. Not not a thing in uh the big city. Yeah, you drive to Appleton, so like 10 15 minute drive and then you cruise up and down College Avenue, which sure. is just an just like if you would cruise up and down 3rd Street here. Uh-huh. Uh, that's all you do and you just that's it. You just play your music loud and you waste a bunch of gas and then you go, you don't even get out. <laughs> you don't get out. You have a friend in the car, maybe a couple people in the back of the truck and then yeah, you just drive up and down the avenue and people did it. That's all people did. Sure. Uh, I think the City of Lacrosse has a rule that you can't cruise the Ave, so to speak, in Riverside Park. Like, you can't go driving around. There's like a... I think there might be a lap limit to driving around. I have the, <laughs> I, I'll have the mayor on in two, not this coming Monday, but next Monday, hopefully. Um, and I'll just have... Well, we should ask him about the ordinance. Something to talk about besides the homelessness. Does, does big government or small... When it's when it's city government uh, regulating, is it, is it still big government? Because it's Ooh, big government in the city. that's a really good question. Or is it little government telling us what to do? But either way, it's government telling the city of La Crosse and and beyond, you can't drive your car multiple multiple times around Riverside Park. Mm-hmm. Well, well, do we need this rule? Is this is, like it does? It seems very unnecessary. Gas is three fifty a gallon or whatever it is. Uh, I think it will regulate itself. And if I want to drive around Riverside Park. Let me drive around Riverside Park. There's no walking around Riverside Park limit. Let's get this going through the 3,000 committees we have in La Crosse City Government. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll shoot Scott Robert Shaw a text. This will be a Monday Scott's comment. Oh, great ordinance. Scott's comment. <laughs> 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Um, we, we totally lost everybody that, you know, that was listening except your wife. And <laughs> in terms of just we, we deep dived on on – Tim Michaels and the Governor Tony Evers race, and I. But have, there's been enough brat talk, also though. We yeah, me and Mike Mike Hayes and myself this morning did enough brat talk, so we're not going to do that. You wanted to say beer talk, but I'm allergic to beer, so there's no beer. I don't have anything for you except that when I drink a beer, I immediately start to choke. So <laughs> I mean, if you want to go there, it's not a fun topic to talk about. Um. Now Ryan texted in. He said, "Let's talk poop." And Ryan, I actually have a story for you. I don't know if this is a. This is a very odd story, but a group in, is it in Wisconsin? Yeah. Or, okay, a group yeah. in Wisconsin. I saw it and I didn't, and you know what, this is one of those, did you waste any time looking the story up or did you just grab the, the cut line and the, or did you grab the URL and the headline, maybe the first paragraph, and you yourself have enough things to read that you don't actually need to read that a group in Wisconsin created a manure statue of Ron Johnson. They did. It was Next Gen Pack and Move On. They created a manure statue of Ron Johnson made out of dried cow manure, 80 pounds, 
And it spent the day on Thursday touring Milwaukee. Now, why a manure statue, you ask? It is because Ron Johnson said that climate change is BS. So they therefore made a statue out of BS. Number three called me, and he was on hold, and it worked, and then it hung up on him. So number three, call back. We'll get you. Sorry about that. Yeah, so uh, move on. Seems like a group that wouldn't like like stoop, stoop stoop to the level of creating a Ron Johnson poop statue. <laughs> but also, if Ron Johnson's calling climate change BS, he did this in, what, 2021? Yeah. It, so it's a while ago. We're pulling up old quotes of Ron Johnson. Is that fair? Because I don't think he's changed his stance on any of this, but I've seen this twice now where we pulled up old. I think we've pulled up a 2020 quote of Ron Johnson on something else that that was very divisive and and just like not forward thinking. And and this happens all the time in politics, Rick. In recent reporting from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, they've been pulling up old quotes from Mandela Barnes, and now we have this old quote from Ron Johnson about climate change being BS. And old as in one year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. You know, it's common in politics. You dig through every little thing the candidate has ever said. You sometimes take it out of context or maybe you often take it out of context. I have a problem when they dig up like Ron Johnson wrote a paper when he went to college. And this is what he his stance on. I think we did this with a, a Supreme Court judge at some point. But number three is back here. Number three. Go ahead. You're on the air. Cruise Riverside more than three times. It is a lap limit, so three lap limit. I mean, who's who's counting out there? Is there just a guy in a lawn chair that? Well, it's it's uh, the council probably spent two nights talking about it. It's a law, but never been enforced. Do you remember this? I mean, is this something you actually remember the city council debating? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How many years ago do you think? Many years ago, probably 20 years ago. Okay, so back when I my F-150 was brand new. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but if you want to go down there with your girlfriend and cruise, go right ahead, because you're friends of Mitch Reynolds, and that makes a lot of difference. Yeah, I'll bring him with me to court to fight the ticket. Yeah, that's right. He'll probably get you double. Anyway, I spent three nights in the local hospital with a bad back. Oh, no. All I can get is, like, over-the-counter pills, you know, for a bad back. Like, I don't know, name a brand they sell over-the-counter. Ibuprofen. Yeah, or some Mickey Mouse brand. And I wanted some more of these more potent ones they used to give me years ago, you know. Fentanyl. Well, here I see some guy got arrested downtown, and he had a whole pocket full of that stuff. Yeah, Oxycontin. Well, how come he could get it when I can't? Because he's buying it from somebody who's making it in a in a storage unit in Lacrosse somewhere. Remember that story a couple months ago? That homemade stuff. I want some good stuff. Yeah, that there's a the the OxyContin makers just settled like a billions and billions of dollar lawsuit for giving people like you. Okay. And, Brett, and Brett Favre, that stuff, and then they get hooked on it, and then they can't get off of it. So it's well, they're well, literally. The thing is, I'm 80 years old, and I don't want any more pain in life than I have to take. You know, and here I would have liked to had something like years ago when you had a tooth pulled or a sprain your ankle that give you some a little bit more than a buffer or an aspirin. You know, what did they give the guys in in World War II when they were you know on their? I, I just remember it from Saving Private Ryan. They give them a shot of. What yeah, was that morphine, drug? Yeah, 
Okay, all right. Well, I just thought I could get some of these. If you ever run into anybody that's got some of them, oh, we're, a we're, little bit better than Buffer, and let me know, will you, Rick? Are we making? Are we talking about making drug deals right here on the air? Yeah, I mean, I'll do it. I'm an old fart. You know, I don't like pain. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right, thanks. Thanks for the call, number three. Keep you keep your powder dry. He was gonna say it, and I I, <laughs> I beat him um, to it. This is like I don't. This isn't a, a political thing, but Jill Billings. I talked to her just recently. There, this is a political thing because the state of Wisconsin, Republicans in the state, and Governor Evers in the state are fighting about how to distribute the oxycotton lawsuit money or the right the pharmaceutical money. This group. This is weird. This is a weird take by number three, and I understand. Like I used to take these drugs that where you know, my pain went away, but these also these drugs are very addictive mm-hmm. and they get people hooked on them. And then you do seek out the guy on the street because you need to get more of the drugs or the doctors used to give these out like, okay, that's fine. We just give them out. And this is like, like a trillion dollar lawsuit. Yeah. You, uh, there's this book called dope sick that covered this in great detail, Rick. And it is extraordinary the extent to which the drug makers manipulated the doctors by saying that there's no evidence that Oxycontin was addictive, that it was safe, that people could easily get off of it. And so it was just an outrageous, outrageous example of deception by the drug companies. The Many of the doctors bought into it because, like, with number three, they, they had a I mean, they just wanted to deal with people's pain, right? And this seemed to be a miracle drug, a drug that would deal with people's pain and not get people addicted, but it all turned out to be false. Four U.S. companies will pay $26 billion to settle claims. This is the opioid, you know, controversy, right? And Wisconsin is set to get, according to DHS, $400 million in funding based on, you know, people like number three getting opioids when they were in pain i think i think i had an elbow surgery and i probably have i probably have illegal drugs in my cupboard right now that i just never use from this because it makes you it makes you really loopy it has devastated so many communities rick because people start buying it on the street then they go to heroin and it has just been a disaster for law enforcement it's been a massive scandal in the pharmaceutical industry this has wreaked havoc on so many communities across the country, and undoing the damage is going to take a really, really long time. All right. How do we have fun after, after the I, Yeah, it's Oktoberfest. This is crazy. Are you a, a, a fan of Julio? Or do you even... Oh, absolutely. So this song is not unfamiliar to you? Oh, 90s hip-hop. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. It's my favorite Julio song. Julio kind of only has three songs. He does. Sorry to say, but Julio passed away the other day. Uh, Not that I ever really think about Julio, but also sad. I haven't thought about him in a while. If you think 90s hip-hop, you think Julio. Now, the question is, how often do you think 90s hip-hop? All the time, but I don't (laughs) think about my hip-hop artist dying. Uh, Snoop Dogg, really the, the... top of the line when it comes to turning uh, a rap career into something very much more than that. Oh, for sure. All right, so Mike is Mike is on hold here, and I don't, I don't. He's going to have to explain this a little bit, but it's like, when we want to talk about something fun. I think Mike has a topic that is a little bit more fun and Oktoberfest related. Mike, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just reminiscing uh, back to the first Oktoberfest that I went to, which was in 1982 when I started uh, college up here in La Crosse. And uh, one of the things that the kids, I mean, the, the college students did, of course, we had a different mascot back in 1982. They weren't the Eagles. They were, I think, the Marching Chiefs or something like that. But anyway, so you'd see college kids running around. They were dressed in war paint, beating on their tom-toms, things like that. And another weird thing was a lot of the people in the uh, beer tent or the beer area there were wearing ponchos. And and I discovered the reason they were wearing ponchos is because back then it was popular for people to just take a full glass of beer and throw it up in the air and, to celebrate. I don't know why they did it, but they did. It was crazy. Well, when you say a glass of beer, do you mean like a cup of beer? Well, a cup of beer or a mug of beer. They didn't throw the container. They just threw the beer. Oh, the beer, like, like, a, like a celebratory, like when an NBA team wins the championship and they do the you know, spray each other with, what, champagne or something? Kind of right. like that? Whether you wanted to get soaked with beer or not, you were going to get soaked with beer if you went to it back then. <laughs> it was like the, uh, the the Midwest version of celebrating, so we throw beer on each other as opposed to champagne. Uh, that does seem like you're right there. That's what does ponchos kind of what have to do with on. it? What do ponchos have to do with it? I thought maybe you were going to say we're sneaking in cans of beer into Oktoberfest in our ponchos. No, the ponchos, the ponchos were because people knew that this was going to happen, so they oh, prepared rain to put ponchos. ponchos so they wouldn't get soaked. I got you. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Okay, rain ponchos. I was thinking like, okay, so there was, we were talking, I was caught in the 90s thing. Because there was a, a style for a very short time where you could wear we were we were those Mexican ponchos, with mm-hmm. the, but it was like a hooded sweatshirt type mm-hmm. deal. But yeah, that, I and so that. I was thinking everybody was wearing those, which is a very stupid thing to think. <laughs> like rain ponchos, of course, we're throwing beer on each other. So back in the eighties, to celebrate Oktoberfest, we were apparently throwing, uh, celebrating by tossing our beer into the air, and, and everybody is what a terrible thing to do a waste of like beer a, a waste of beer you're you're also especially if you're not one of the lucky ones to bring a poncho yeah you're then you're covered in beer and you're spending the rest of the day because you you you're down at the october fresh grounds you're there it's 11 a.m i think they they did the well they were supposed to anyway uh they spend <laughs> that's the, right oops <laughs> We heard the story from Brad. If you want to check a, a little bit of a delay to tapping the keg, or at least it would be funny if they they just went by schedule. So there was a a hiccup in getting the cards right to getting the the reader to work to let people into because um, we don't do buttons anymore. This would be the the number one reason to bring back the buttons to letting sure. us in. Because also when you have buttons, Chagoski, um, I get a button. I go into the Oktoberfest grounds. I meet you by the fence over here on on uh, in the corner. I hand you my button, and then you come on in with your... Nah, the and loophole then, has been discovered. Yes, yeah, so that's why they got into the card readers a little bit, but also then the card readers fail. But and then everybody... you got to figure out how the card readers work. So an hour and a half or so, uh, we were trying to get people back into the park or into the Oktoberfest grounds. But it would be funny if the schedule is the schedule and we're tapping the golden keg at 11, even if nobody is in here. Yeah. There's like 12 people to tap the keg. <laughs> <laughs> we're tapping it. Everybody's looking over the fence. Are they really tapping the keg right now? We're still trying to get in. Um, yeah. So anyway. Um, but yeah, throwing beer on each other. Terrible. Like, what do we? I guess maybe we were just a little bit 
drunker back in the 80s. No? Yeah. No, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, Bob's calling in. Uh, Bob, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, I did a few things. Um, uh, uh, you guys were talking about, well, the caller number three was talking about, you know, or getting something for his back. Okay, um, you know, back in, well, you mentioned Saving Private Ryan. What they used to do in World War II and that, and they still do it, um, when people got shot, really hurt bad, uh, they'd shoot them up with the morphine. That's what they were doing, yep. helping dull, dull the pain. Um, about Oktoberfest, um, I'm 69. I used to go to Oktoberfest. Right. I haven't been to it for a long time. And back in my day, um, of course, the throwing the beer up in the air was the big thing. That's why people wear raincoats and that. <laughs> but it was it's changed so much because uh, – Back in the day where I used to, when I used to go, uh, Hell's Angels used to come to town for Oktoberfest, and, uh, well, they did raise hell. I can remember one, one time when we were walking back to our car uh, on 3rd Street there, um, we came upon two cars flipped upside down on fire, and the police were there beating the heck out of the Hell's Angels who had flipped the car over and cars over and started them on fire. I mean, it's changed. That doesn't happen anymore. But just one more thing, and then about uh, you know, caller number three getting a drug to help on his back. Um, it's easy to get a drug now because, you know, on our, uh, when Joe Biden became president, he just completely opened the southern border to the Mexican drug cartels. So we got drugs, everything you can think of, including fentanyl. Awesome. Or- All right. Uh, thanks for the call, Bob. Joe Biden's fault that uh, number three can get uh, his drugs. All right, we got to take one more break. Did you watch this movie with uh, head of the? No, what was the movie called? the The theme of this song, is, the, this song, is the theme of a pretty popular movie about school, but not college. Can't remember what it was called though. You have to Google. Yeah, Gangsters Paradise movie. Uh, and I can't remember the actor's name. I'm going to have um, Alzheimer's before everyone else should. It's just awful. The amount of stuff I forgot. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski in here with me. Uh, we started we started the show with a deep dive, lost the entire audience, had a little bit of fun in the middle there. Um, Talking about beer throwing. Wait, I sent your wife... What did I send her a story of? I oh totally yeah, forgot. yeah. See, this is the thing. Miss, I Mrs. Oktoberfest. Oh yeah, I have. The, I talked to Brad Corbert. Yeah, it's like a historian of Oktoberfest earlier this week, and and part of the conversation with the how we come to have Oktoberfest, and you might have heard this during the news break as well, is, is is okay. So we have a festmaster. There's been debate of whether or not the festmaster could or should or can ever be a woman. We can put that debate aside for a minute. 1968, They, I guess maybe to offset that, they came up with Mrs. Oktoberfest. We're going to have Mrs. Oktoberfest. And if we did Mrs. Oktoberfest today, like we did back in 1968 through 1974, I think, and what I told Brad uh, on the show earlier this week, is we would have um, a parade through the streets for a whole other reason. Not a, not a maple leaf parade, not a torchlight parade. We would have tiki torches and maybe vagina hats. Walking the streets, if we did Mrs. Oktoberfest this way, Mrs. Oktoberfest back in 1968 to offset. Cracking up at this quote from Brad. Based on homemaking skills, (laughs) participation in church, school, and civic activities, poise and personality, poise, 
<laughs> cooking and special talents and hobbies. I don't have a whole I don't have a big problem with special talents and hobbies. I'm not sure I even have a, a big problem with participation in church, school, and civic activities. But home hey, homemaking skills, what does that mean? What is homemaking skills? I you know, it probably meant one thing in nineteen sixty eight when Brad Korberg was referring to this contest and it may mean a completely different thing now. And then because also cooking is in here. Cooking homemaking is in to there? me is like cleaning the house. I don't or is it or is it being a good is it just in general being a good wife? General being a good servant. <laughs> I'm just like it's just like it's laughable that I mean, it's, thank goodness we've come this far. Because if 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 women were at the level that they were at in 1968, based on you know some of some, they couldn't have a checking. I don't know if 68 was the year, but they couldn't have a checking account. They couldn't take out a mortgage, stuff like that. We would be in a in a bigger world of hurt, I think, because we we need women leaders to kind of to kind of like balance. The 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 ridiculous that the ridiculousness of what men think is good leadership, because I think women are much better leaders, much more level headed than than any of us men are. Rick, I love the part about poison personality. Yeah, what is that? Like, also? Can you imagine trying to judge someone on the basis of their poison personality? And that was my question to you. And that's why, you know, like, OK, so do, do, you, my, do you. My wife has not responded. I think she's dodging the question about how she would be. How about how she thinks she would be judged based on the 1968 version of Mrs. Oktoberfest? We could we could have like a homework assignment where you go home this week. And then when you're back next week, you can just give us a, a one out of 10 score for each of these <laughs> and then just go, you know, Brianna's, you know, she's about a seven on the personality. <laughs> Poison. Oh, uh, I'm going to get into a lot of trouble about, if I talk to my wife about how she would rate on poison. She's about a, she's only a four on poise, though, because of the, ba- <laughs> you know, she's, it's a newborn baby. What is poise anyway? Can you define it? Is there like I, I and is like, it combined like poise and personality? Is because of the way Brad posed it seemed to be one category. Yeah, I, I don't think they're the same thing though, right? Like poise is how you handle difficult situations. Graceful and, per- and elegant, bearing in person is one definition. Balance and equilibrium. Uh, be or cause to be balanced or suspended. I think it's the way you ba- is it the way you just juggle. Yeah, your poise. You're you're in the mix. Even if you weren't in the mix, how is Brianna handling? Uh, does she is she's on is she on maternity leave yet at this point? She's partially on leave. Okay, so she's not really. So she's yeah. you know how is she balancing? Uh, so work and baby, work, baby, and... and being a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that's what I mean. Based in 1968, how right. your your poise on being a good because you know that's women didn't work back then. I think somebody told me like. Women didn't work back then, and if they did work, they were outcasts because they were probably lesbians or something. With regards to cooking, the contest at the Tchaikovsky household is to figure out how we can do as little cooking as possible. See so, who can do the cooking, like where we can go to get the yes, cooking done where, for us. Where we can go to not have to do the cooking. Uh, special talents, that one's easy. Participation in school, church, and civic activities, that one's that one's pretty easy. But yeah, the the cooking one floored me, and I think the cooking so do one. Do you like do a taste test or something? Like, are, she, are they on stage? I just yeah. We I, Brad said there were there was maybe a one or two of these women, Mrs. Oktoberfest from 1968 to 74 that might still be around. So okay. I think maybe. We, 
maybe we need to next week just get so do we do we need to quiz them on how because yeah. Brad did mention too after that he said he has talked to some more recent Mrs. Oktoberfest and and upon hearing the news of how they did this back in 1968 to 1974 they would not have participated. Would any women participate in Mrs. Oktoberfest if it were done, conducted the way it was then? No, no. Like cooking, special talents and hobbies, church, school, civic activities, poison personality, homemaking skills. Korberg, Korberg, a bit of a historian here, he wrote a book called The Fest of Times, looking at the first 50 years of Oktoberfest. And he's been the parade marshal and he's been the Oktoberfest board president. He has some knowledge here, but I would like somebody that was on the judging panel to come on and talk about. Well, I want to know how they judged poison personality. How was this contest conducted? Was a woman on stage and they just did mock, you know, just they, they did a mock, uh, you know, woman in the kitchen doing these things that <laughs> they have a kitchen set up. Did they go to her house and just uh, like watch her? Let's see how she does here. Um, Mrs. White is going into the kitchen now. She's boiling the water. Very well done. She put a little salt in it, so the water boils a little quicker to get her man that meal a little bit faster. <laughs> All right. Have a happy Oktoberfest, everybody.